that owning and operating her own shop was deeply satisfying. There was a great deal to be said for having control over one's finances. In addition, as a shopkeeper, she had at long last been freed from many of the stultifying rules and restrictions that society placed on well-bred single ladies. There was no denying that she had gone down in the world, but the experience had allowed her to take command of her own destiny in a way that had never before been possible. Less than an hour ago, however, the dream of a bright, independent new future that she had begun to fashion for herself had been destroyed. She was now in the midst of a nightmare. She had no choice but to flee into the shadows, taking only a handful of personal items, the day's income from book sales, and the two precious books. She must disappear, she understood that quite clearly, but she had to ensure that no one would feel compelled to search for her. Her feverish inspiration came from a report in the press that she had read a few days earlier. For the second time in less than a week, the polite world mourns the shocking loss of a socially prominent lady. Sadly, the river has claimed another victim. Mrs. Victoria Hastings, said to be overcome by one of her recurrent bouts of despondency, threw herself off a bridge into the cold, merciless depths of the Thames. The body has not yet been recovered. Authorities speculate that it either washed out to sea or else became tangled in some sunken wreckage. Her devoted husband, Elwyn Hastings, is reported to be distraught with grief. Readers will recall that less than a week ago, Miss Fiona Risby, the fiancée of Mr. Anthony Stallbridge, also cast herself into the river. Her body, however, was recovered. Two ladies who moved in the polite world had thrown themselves into the river in the same week. In addition, each year desperate and depressed women from far less exalted stations sought the same escape. No one would think it peculiar when it was discovered that an unimportant bookshop owner had committed suicide in a similar fashion. She wrote the suicide note with trembling fingers, concentrating hard to find the right words, convincing words. I despair. I cannot live with the knowledge of what I have done this night, nor can I face a future that offers only the humiliation of a public trial and the hangman's noose. Better by far the ultimate oblivion of the river. She signed her name and put the note on the small table where she had been in the habit of taking her solitary meals. She anchored the piece of paper with a small bust of Shakespeare. It wouldn't do to have it fall to the floor and perhaps go unnoticed by the police. She put on her cloak and took one last look around the sitting room. She had been content here. True, the loneliness was sometimes hard to bear, especially at night, but one became accustomed to it. She'd been thinking of getting a dog for companionship. She turned away and picked up the heavy suitcase. Once again, she hesitated. There were two hats hanging on hooks in the wall, a summer bonnet and a large-brimmed, feather-trimmed affair that she wore when she went out walking. It struck her that it might be a very good thing, a very convincing thing, if the feathered hat turned up floating near a bridge, perhaps snagged on a rock or a bit of drifting wood. She seized the hat and clapped it on her head. Her gaze went to the curtain that concealed the bedroom. Another shudder slammed through her at the thought of what lay on the other side. Clutching the suitcase, she hurried downstairs and into the back room. She opened the door and stepped outside into the dark alley.
There was no reason to bother with a key. The lock had been shattered less than an hour ago when the intruder had forced his way inside. She went cautiously along the alley, trusting to her memory of the narrow passage behind the row of shops. With luck, it would be a few days before anyone started to wonder why Barclay's bookshop had remained closed for an extended period of time. But sooner or later, someone, her landlord most likely, would become alarmed. Mr. Jenkins would pound on the door for a time. Eventually, he would grow angry. He would take one of the keys from the ring that he always carried and open up the shop, demanding the rent. That was when the body in the upstairs room would be discovered. Shortly thereafter, the police would begin their search for the woman who had murdered Lord Gavin, one of the wealthiest, most distinguished gentlemen in the polite world. She fled into the night.